As longtime listeners know, we like to make a habit of shining a spotlight on those in our industry who are making change for good. In this case, health insurance, or the lack of it, has been a problem for musicians and others for decades. Small record labels often aren't able to offer health insurance for their employees. And for many years, there were no options, or those that existed were extremely expensive. Welcome to the future of what? I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. On today's episode, we're talking to Richard Burgess, president and CEO of A2IM, about the new A2IM Benefits Store, where labels can purchase health insurance, amongst other things. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Can I have a taste of your ice cream? Can I lift the crumbs from your table? Can I interfere in your crisis? No, mind your own business. No, mind your own business. My guest today is Richard Burgess. He is the president and CEO of A2IM, the American Association of Independent Music. Richard, welcome to The Future of What? Hi, Portia. Thank you for having me again. I know. It's been a while. has been a while. I know. Goodness. It's really great to be here. It's I'm really glad. to see you again. It's great to see you. I'm glad we're, we got the podcast back off the ground. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Nice. It sort yeah. of took a dive in the pandemic like Did many really? things. Yeah, yeah but we're, yeah. we're back on track, which is good. And A2IM is going strong. I'm happy it to is. see. Yeah. Yeah, very and good. yeah, and one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today is the A2IM uh, benefits store. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was you guys started that like last September. We did. So tell us how it's going. It's going great. I mean, I have to tell you, I worked on that almost since I started the job, which was seven years ago. Wow. And I, I I'd always thought, you know, the one thing that is a real lack in the U.S. is some kind of healthcare situation for. Labels. I mean, frankly, for artists, for everybody who doesn't have a sort of full-time gig with a large company. And um, I mean, A2M itself has good health benefits, but labels just very often, especially smaller labels, often don't. And then you've got contractors who don't have health benefits, and also artists don't have health benefits. So um, we looked and looked and looked, and i got to tell you, the healthcare industry does look a bit like a cartel when you (laughs) (laughs) try to approach it because it just they just block you at every turn but anyway through one of our members we tracked down a company that does really good benefits it appears and it's one of those things where we don't make any money off of it at all but it's something I've always wanted to do it's just Mm -hmm. something that feels like the right thing to do so we did it and it, it appears that they're really good benefits. So it's healthcare, but it's also other things too. They do pet insurance and content insurance and various other kinds of insurance. There are some really great benefits to it though. First off, the employer doesn't have to be involved. Wow. Um, secondly, it's monthly. And thirdly, there's no opt-in open season period. So you don't have to wait till November or whatever to sign up, which is fantastic. And um, what I really like about it is that you know, you, you might have a small label that has no health insurance, and so they can use it. But you might also have a label that has health insurance. Maybe they have five or six or ten employees or whatever, but they have a few contractors, and the contractors can't be covered by their standard health insurance, so they could cover the health the contractors for this health insurance as well. And then as soon as we got it up and running, one of our board members said, could we use this for artists? And I looked into it and like, well, we could actually. So we're starting to use it, or at least we're offering it to our labels to use for their artists as well. Because I, I know coming from being an artist myself, that can be a real challenge, especially when you're at the beginning of your career and you're not making a ton of money. 
I'm really optimistic that this is going to work out. And, and I, I got to tell you, you know, for six years, it just was like turning every rock and mm -hmm. nothing, nothing, nothing. And then yeah. suddenly one day. That's amazing. That's yeah. really great. I know because I've been, you know, for as long as I've been in this business as well, one of the biggest problems for artists is that they just, you don't have an option for health insurance. You don't have an employer per se. You So you are a small business. Yeah. Which, you know, that's both of our we have both had the goal of trying to get artists to understand that at some point, that it's really when so. you're an artist, you're a small yeah. business person. I know. Yeah, so. I, most artists do not get that they yeah. are actually the smallest of small businesses. Yes, exactly. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's just that we have so many friends that, you know, where they, they get their health insurance through their spouse or something like that, and, and that's fine, but then somebody's locked into a job. I mean, I've, I've come across people who, where, you know, the husband or the wife are working a job they don't really like, but they can't leave it because they need the health insurance for both of them and for their kids even. Yes. So, you know, I think the idea of having more freedom... I grew up in countries where we had no national health system, so right. it was really hard for me to grasp that when I first moved to America. But it is what it is, you know, and there's a lot of great things about this country, and I love living here. I'm an American citizen at this point, but I would definitely fix the health care system if it was within my power to do so. Absolutely. So, yeah, so anyway, so we're doing what we can to make this work, and it appears to be working. We've had quite a bit of uptakes in September, and, you know, I expect over the next year we'll see more and more. Some people may choose to go on this plan over the plans they're on already. Or, you know, the other thing is communicating because we, we send out messages, but people don't always read the emails. So it takes a little bit to get through to everybody to right. communicate to them that we actually have this on offer. That's great. Well, that's why we're doing this podcast. So it's right. another source of information for people. Exactly. A2IM obviously is very close to my heart. I used to be on the board. I was on the board for 12 you years. You, were, I think you were, you were chair of the board for a while while I was uh, when I was on the board. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so, of course, I love the organization. You guys have been doing a lot of stuff lately. That's quite wonderful. Um, do you want to talk you. a little bit about your black? Label Accelerator? So we had the Black Independent Music Accelerator, BEMA for short, and um, what we were trying to do there is address the fact that there aren't many black-owned labels within the A2IM ecosystem anyway, and within the independent ecosystem, or, or black-run labels. So one of the things, and I, I ran into this problem when I was at Smithsonian Folkways as well, looking at the entire Smithsonian Institution, you know, there was a good balance of, you know, ethnicity and all the other various different diversities within the institution, but it wasn't always spread as it should be throughout the institution. So you, you wind up with, you know, the entire top layer was tended to be white male. And, you know, it occurred to me that you've kind of got to go back a couple of steps if you really want to have strong black leadership, strong woman leadership. And, you know, it comes down to helping people to get to that level because it's not that easy and when you're a minority or underrepresented as women are you know there are psychological barriers there are actual barriers there are barriers of bias and so the idea was we'll do this independent black independent music accelerator and that will help you know some young black entrepreneurs to you know develop the skills to be able to start their own businesses or to run somebody else's business. I mean, one of the things that, you know, we've observed with all of us, I mean, first off, I wanted to do, I actually really wanted to do a, a complete sort of underrepresented and minority accelerator. 
that was difficult to fund, to be perfectly honest with you. It was hard to find any kind of uh, funding for that. Sadly, when George Floyd was murdered, there was an outpouring of uh, sympathy, and so there was funding available. I have to say, the further away you get from these incidents, the, the harder it is to fund mm -hmm. these things, and that yeah. really saddens me. Unfortunately, we just had this Tyree Nichols situation, mm -hmm. too, but... I have to say, I hope we don't see any more of these kinds of incidents that uh, cause these outpourings of sympathy and support, but mm -hmm. it shouldn't really take that, is my view. I mean, no. we really need to straighten these things out. But I mean, so what tends to happen with the, what we found with the, with the black community in, in, the, in the independent label business is they tend to go into JVs with the major labels. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. If somebody wants to do that, that's perfectly fine. But if somebody wants to stay fully independent, then we'd like to be able to provide them with the skills and the knowledge to do that. A lot of people don't realize when they go into a JV that that may not wind up being where they want to be five to ten years from now because they don't, they don't wind up necessarily owning those copyrights. And so at the point when you know, you've really built something substantial and it's really worth quite a lot of money, you know, the deal you struck may not be that favorable in terms of your exit, as it were. So. Right. And that's, I mean, that's some a message we want to get out to everyone, including artists. You know, right. artists need to, and I feel like they're starting to really understand the value of copyright and owning your own copyright, because certainly when the whole Taylor Swift thing went down, that was a huge outpouring of, right. you know, whether it was actually educational or not, at least people were talking about it. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things happening there. I was talking to the majors about it the other day. I think some of it's psychological, you know, the idea of owning your own copyrights, because there's a there's a vast sort of diversity of ways you can go about that, and some are good and some are less good. But again, that's sort of the idea of having these. We, we have a mentorship program as well, and, and that's been one of our most successful projects that we've done, which is open to everybody, really. It's hard finding enough mentors, but we've been doing pretty well with that. But, you know, having an experienced independent label owner or somebody who's experienced at different levels of the independent ecosystem who's gone through this and understands what the problems are, explaining to people exactly what the pitfalls are before they actually step into them. And right. personally, I learned almost all my skills by making every mistake you could possibly make. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's, it, you know, it's a, it's a good way to learn, but probably not the most efficient way to learn. <laughs> right, right. But that's, you know, we can say that that's actually what a trade association like A2IM is really good for, is it's yeah. helping, you know, labels, young labels, small labels can come to A2IM and meet medium-sized, bigger labels, labels that have been around for a while, and learn the ropes. Well, I think that's right. I mean, I joined A2M back, I think, 2005 when I was at Smithsonian Folkways, and, and I it was like being on steroids, you know, because that was a time when we were transitioned into digital but hadn't sort of fully made the transition into digital. And there was just a lot to learn, you know. And, and, and then, I mean, for the past 20 years, it's been a constant process of transitioning, and I think we're transitioning again now. I mean, we've got, you know, we're looking at Web3 and the metaverse mm -hmm. and AI and NFTs. And so, you know, having a community that you can talk to about these things, and some people are ahead of us in some areas, and other people are ahead in other areas, so being able to share that information. I mean, you know, when you're on the board, I mean, just, I mean, being on the board is amazing, because you, you're sitting there with, you know, a dozen other people that are really, really knowledgeable, and I always say that's the best thing about this job, is that I'm around people smarter than me, and they know more <laughs> than I do, and I'm like, I'm just like soaking it up, this is amazing. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Yeah. So I know that there are quite a few Grammy nominations this weekend for mm -hmm. independent labels. Yeah. 
what is it, 41? Something like that, yeah. I mean, last year we had 51% of the wins, actually, wow. in the Grammys, which was, uh, was very gratifying. So we'll see how it, how it goes. You know, I think it's always it's a constantly changing mm-hmm. environment, and so you never know quite which way it's going to go. But, you know, I'm always uh, excited for our independent labels. I mean, as you know, the independents tend to occupy the genres that the majors don't do so well in or are not so interested in. And historically, I mean, I always point out to people that Almost every genre that's kind of identified as uniquely American and sort of forms the character of American music. You know, you can say country music, blues, jazz, hip-hop, bebop, doo-wop, you know, you name it. All those genres came out of the independent sector at one point. I mean, a lot of those uh, labels wind up getting acquired by the majors eventually, but, you know, they started out as independent. So I think if it wasn't for the independent sector, you know, some entrepreneur who just loves music and is particularly into this niche or that niche, you know, signing artists basically by the seat of their pants, you know, just by gut, really. They're not looking at the data necessarily. They just happen to really like this music or see potential in it. If it wasn't for that, you know, the very nature of American music might be very different. It's, well, it's true. I mean, all everyone started as an independent, even right. the biggest companies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was, uh, what was it? Edison, Columbia, and what became Victor, which was, uh, I'm blanking on the name of that label now back, but that was those were the first three labels. Yep. Well, great. Anything else coming up that you want to mention while we're here? Well, I, I mean, we have Indie Week. That's uh, about a month after Music Biz, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's always exciting. Yeah, we have a lot coming. I mean, we, we've, we're, uh, the Libera Awards, you know, we're going to step that up this year. We're actually, we've moved. I don't know if this is officially, officially announced yet, but we're moving the Libera Awards to the Town Hall in New York City. And it's a really historic room because it was a suffragette hall, about 100 years old. And they also were the venue, or the place was the venue where they launched a lot of artists who normally couldn't play in concert halls. So a lot of black artists, uh, Nina Simone did some of her first stuff there. Bob Dylan did some of his first actual concerts there, not club dates, but concerts. So um, I love the fact that it's historic and, you know, that it's got that independent vibe about it. So um, we're excited about that. Each year we try to step the Libero Awards up and you started the Libero Awards. So kudos <laughs> to you for that. Thank you for that. You started My it and baby. you named it. <laughs> it's your baby. Yeah. Yes. And you guys have run with it. Which well, is you know, it's, it's all to your honor, basically. And we appreciate that you did that. Well, thank you, Richard. <laughs> well, fantastic. It was so lovely to talk to you. Thanks for coming. And, and you too. My guest today has been Richard Burgess, CEO and president of A2IM. Thanks so much for being with me on The Future of What? Thank you, Portia. I greatly appreciate it. And that's our show. Our theme song is Mind Your Own Business by The Delta Five and is played by permission. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Today's show was engineered by Jeff McGee at Third Wheel Podcasting Studio in Los Angeles and Clark Buckner at Relationary Marketing in Nashville and was produced by Dana Rogers and Henrik Bick. I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. See you next time. Can I have a taste of your